Wedge Issues is brought to you by Wispolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's Wispolitics.com. Earlier this month, I went on a road trip from Madison to Eau Claire, from Eau Claire to Oshkosh, and Oshkosh back home to Madison just in time to cover the primary elections here. In both of the cities that I visited, I sat down with voters between the ages of 18 and 34 and talked to them about everything from how they identify politically, where they get their news, what issues matter most to them, and how they choose candidates to support. We talked about everything from socialism to Foxconn to Donald Trump to Scott Walker. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about the 2018 elections in Wisconsin. This week, Eric Lawrenson joins me in the studio to talk about what I learned on the road and what these young voters are thinking about heading into November. Back with me in the studio again is Eric Lawrenson, my good friend and coworker. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm great. Always great to shoot the breeze with you here in the podcasting <laughs> studio, Jesse. Love shooting the breeze with you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I what look are we going to shoot the breeze about today? Well, today we're going to shoot the breeze about a story that you wrote for the Cap Times, um, one of our cover stories yeah. about young voters in Wisconsin. This was a fascinating story. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Um, to write it, Jesse, you visited both Oshkosh and you visited Eau Claire That's to right. talk with a wide range of young people. Um, what were the age ranges of people that you ended up talking to? I think the youngest person I talked to was 18 and the oldest was 34. Gotcha. And you, you talked about a wide range of, of topics about politics, um, what these young voters were thinking, how they thought about the current race. But anyway, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about why you did this. Um, you know, what was your rationale for going out and doing this kind of reporting? Well, you know, I love living and working in Madison, and uh, we're surrounded by a lot of people who care a lot about politics. Uh, I think we were so surrounded by people who pay so much attention to politics sometimes just by virtue of the fact that this is the center of state government that uh, we sometimes do end up living in a bit of a bubble, not just a liberal bubble or, or even a conservative bubble, but just a bubble of people who are hyper-politically engaged and um, maybe paying a little bit more attention in a little different way than people in other parts of the state. So, you know, heading into every election, it seems like the big question is, what are young people going to do? What are the millennials going to do in the last few elections? Mm. Uh, and, you know, what better way to find out than to go ask them? Um, of course, you and I are part of that generation uh, in our mid-20s ourselves. But, uh, you know, we chose Eau Claire and Oshkosh because uh, you, you've probably noticed if you're following news coverage, Eau Claire has gotten a lot of attention in the last few years of being kind of an up-and-coming new Midwestern it city, right? And yeah. not just because of the whole Bon Iver thing and the Although Eau Cla- that's the first yeah, right. thing people Anytime, will bring up. <laughs> every time. <laughs> so Eau Claire uh, definitely kind of being billed as, as like the new affordable hit place for folks in their 20s and 30s to live. Um, Oshkosh is is, uh, well, near and dear to my heart because I lived there for a little while and worked at a newspaper there. But in addition to that, a lot of millennials are buying homes there, it turns out, at a kind of higher rate than the rest of the state. 
So similarly sized cities, um, both somewhat politically mixed, uh, one on the west central sort of northern west central part of the state and the other in the more east central northeastern part of the state. Just trying to do a little compare and contrast and, and find out what people are thinking about there. Yeah, I mean, just based on the article itself, there were so many topics that you ended up talking about. What were the specific kind of questions that you you walked into each interview hoping to get answered? Yeah, I asked pretty much the same questions of everyone, and, and a handful of those or an example of those would be, how much do you follow politics? Do you tend to identify with a particular political party? Are there things that you look for when you're trying to determine whether you're going to support a particular candidate? Um, do you talk to your friends and family about politics? Are you surrounded by people of different points of view? Uh, how do you get your news? How much do you follow these things? Do you vote in every election? Do you just vote in the big ones? Um, just stuff like that. And, and we delved into whether I brought them up or whether uh, the people I was interviewing brought them up, some of the specific issues that have come up on the campaign trail. So things like Foxconn and roads and education and student loan debt and uh, reproductive health and tariffs and you know all, all kinds of things uh, talked about specific politicians. I was actually in these cities before the primary election, so got a sense at that time of how much people were paying attention to that. The answer was not a whole lot, <laughs> um, but definitely people had their mind on the general election. And in both cities, I found a lot of people who were varying levels of engaged, but all very invested and, and interested and kind of following these issues. Yeah, well, let's begin diving into what you ended up talking about and some takeaways that you had from those conversations. I mean, mind you, we're talking about, you know, interviews with how many, like a dozen people on the whole, like, this is not like a statistically rigorous survey where we can say for sure what young people in Wisconsin are thinking. But I think there are some interesting patterns and insights that we that you picked up on. There were some good common threads. And I got to speak with people of variety of political views ranging from hard libertarian to interested in socialism to, you know, strong conservative Republican to strong liberal Democrat. One thing that was interesting was to find out sort of how people became involved or engaged in politics in the first place. So in Eau Claire, I found out there are a lot of younger people, people in their 20s and 30s, getting elected to local government positions. The president of their school board is 24. Um, Most of their council, I think at this point, is under 30. Um, so yeah. local government is a way that people our age are getting involved in, in politics, and they're excited about it. So Kate Beaton is a member of the city council in Eau Claire. She was elected in 2016. She ran that April um, after the presidential election. And she thought about, you know, she was kind of interested in a lot of issues, but hadn't really thought about running until a lot of people are, encouraged her to. And this is why she said that that was a good move for her. You know, local government is has such a direct impact on people's lives and people can engage with local government just unlike any other level of government. You know, our voices are are not diluted on the local level like they are on the state and national level. And so um, that's something that really inspired me um, and really empowered me. Having been in, in, involved in the 2016 election, elections, I feel a totally different energy now. The energy feels a little bit more directed and focused. Um, it seemed like after 2016, Uh, It was kind of a healing energy where everyone was marching, everyone was crying and angry um, and just trying to go day by day to heal after what had happened. Um, And this energy feels really productive, like the the energy that has healed after all of that time. And so, um, you know, I think that 
people are, it seems like people have gotten really serious about um, harnessing that and making change with it. Yeah, I think this is an interesting quote in part because there were other people who talked about the 2016 race as being a catalyst for them in terms of political engagement. Yeah, and and we heard it both ways. I mean, I talked to a handful of people uh, in Eau Claire and in Oshkosh, too, who, you know, what they saw in that race if they were liberal was that they needed to get involved themselves because that election didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to. Um, And I think it was one of the more probably emotional elections in terms of letdowns for the the folks who were on the losing side of that. Um, But that doesn't mean that there were not conservatives who were engaged and inspired by that election. Uh, Frank Snyder is a 24-year-old from Eau Claire who hadn't really thought about politics a whole lot before this particular election, started following it when Donald Trump won the Republican primary, and he really liked what he saw. Um, And now he's more interested in volunteering for uh, political parties and potentially getting involved in local government or at least paying attention a little bit more. And he's really pleased with the way things are going in uh, not just Wisconsin, but in in the U.S. And he really likes that Donald Trump uh, American first approach. He wants to see that taken down to the local and the state and regional levels. And um, you know, he he got engaged really just by the way that that election turned out. Well, what do you what do you think of the job Trump's doing so far? I think it's pretty damn good. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you Obviously. support him early on? Or yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was curious about what people had to say about Scott Walker and Donald Trump, and based on those conversations you had with people who are more conservative leaning, you observed an interesting sort of contrast of sorts between the way people talked about Scott Walker versus Donald Trump, right? So there was, uh, I think, a lot more nuance or a lot more varied opinions in the way that conservatives, young conservatives, viewed Donald Trump. Um, There were people like Frank Snyder who were pretty much on board with him from the get-go and really liked what they saw. There was a guy I talked to in Oshkosh named Josh Schimmel, who as a mechanic in the area, and he absolutely loves Trump. He uh, he likes that he's not a typical politician. He felt like you know he didn't need the job, and he was running because he felt like he could do something better. Um, so he was a big fan of of Trump, and also a really big fan of Walker. The difference I would say between views of Walker and views of Trump are that every conservative or Republican that I talked to liked Scott Walker and liked what he's doing. Not all of them liked Donald Trump, um, but most of them liked what Donald Trump's administration has done. So to say that differently, uh, Scott Walker, pretty much unanimous approval among young conservatives and Republicans. Most of them have voted for him before. Most of them plan to do so again. They may have small little quibbles with things here or there that he's done, but overall they're pleased with the way that he's acted as governor. With Donald Trump, you had a couple people who are all in, 100% on board, and a few more people who were put off by uh, his social media habits. Um, or like Rachel Hansen, uh, a young conservative woman from Oshkosh, who says, can, can he just stop tweeting, stop saying the things about women? And, uh, obviously, he very much so has had a lot of uh, social uh, media <laughs> things, yeah. things that you're just like, why? Why would you do that? Like, just keep your mouth shut. Like, yeah. It's not that hard. But obviously, a lot of more derogatory things towards women, which yeah. obviously is a concern and you know for me I kind of looked at like okay you've got bad and you've got worse in my mind (laughs) sure you're like what do I go with you know I I didn't think either choice was great Mm -hmm. so you know you kind of go with the ones that maybe are more in line with what you believe and you know 
you know, like Rachel and, and, and Joel Michelson from Eau Claire, another, you know, Republican libertarian voter, they don't like the way that Donald Trump handles himself, but they don't have a lot of complaints with any of the policies that his administration has taken up. Yeah, it seems to be the difference between how they feel about the administration versus the behavior of the man. A lot of people grapple with the rhetoric that Trump uses, the things he says that are inflammatory. But at the end of the day, the actual policy stances and, you know, what's, what's happened with the administration isn't the problem for them. Right. The closest thing I found to that for a Walker take was uh, Joel Michelson, who absolutely supports the Act 10 policy, but wished that Walker had taken a little more time to get support for it before rushing it through. And I think that's something that even Governor Walker has said that he wished he would have done differently. But, uh, you know, I think Joel was sort of lamenting, you know, how often he says about politicians, ah, you know, I, I, I like what they did. I just don't like how they did it or I don't like how they act. And, but again, you know, at the end of the day, he was certainly going to be voting for Walker again. That was true mm-hmm. of every young Republican or conservative that I talked to. Wasn't Joel also the one who expressed some concern over environmental goings on underneath the Walker administration, cuts to the DNR, that kind of a thing? Yeah, Joel uh, had he majored in, in wildlife studies at Stevens Point and had hoped to get a job at the DNR when he graduated. Um, times were tough economically, and there weren't a lot of job openings then. And, and in the t- years since, he's wished he's sort of of the hands-off approach when it comes to government, uh, really with the exception of the environment. He said that's the one area where he feels like government can really step in and take the reins a little bit. Um, he did say, you know, that it's, it's not all bad from his point of view in terms of environmental policies. He likes some of the things that have been done to make it easier for new hunters to get involved, um, electronic registration, things like that. So not all bad from his point of view, but he did have some concerns. He also mentioned some of those concerns as it relates to Foxconn. He was overall supportive of the Foxconn deal. He said, like many others have, the deal's not perfect. Are there things in it he would do differently? Yes, but it's in place now. And he feels like uh, at this point, folks ought to be supportive of it, hoping for it to pan out as successfully as possible. But that was an area I think that there was a little bit more variation uh, across parties. Yeah, I noticed that too. Looking at what Becky Adamski Creechy, one of the more left-leaning people you, you talk to for this, well, based on what she said, she had, you know, also kind of a nuanced sort of take on on the Foxconn um, development on the on the project and, you know, the incentives package. Um, it was kind of a wait and see sort of. Yeah, she's got an interesting perspective because she lives in Eau Claire and Eau Claire is one of the cities that Foxconn has expanded some of its operations to, said that they were going to buy an office building and put uh, 150 or so jobs there. And so I think, you know, she was willing to consider that you know this this may very well benefit the local community um, and I think that was something that Joel Michelson talked about too but she's very skeptical of the size of that incentive package and also the potential environmental effects it's going to probably benefit our community um, but it is a little scary that in my opinion that a foreign country is coming in and going to have a great impact on our state economy and possibly affect some of our national resources along the Lake Michigan area so Wedge Issues is sponsored by WISPolitics.com. You can become a WISPolitics.com member 
Find out more at wispolitics.com slash membership. So, Jesse, one thing that I did notice in your story was people talking about socialism, people talking about, you know, (laughs) the economy, not just in terms of an economic development or like jobs based kind of way, but in a really systemic way. I mean, the conversation around socialism has kind of been very evident in in 2018. um, And that was also evident in the way people talked about it in your story. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this is in large part thanks to Bernie Sanders doing as well as he did in the 2016 presidential election. You know, one thing I did notice from most of the younger Democrats that I interviewed, they were Bernie Sanders supporters, and most of them voted for Hillary Clinton in the general election. But a lot of these folks were on board with Bernie Sanders early on, and and he was a big proponent of democratic socialism. So Jennifer DePew is a senior at UW Oshkosh. Um, She's studying history and politics, and she found herself saying she doesn't really think socialism's a dirty word, like maybe it used to be, Uh, mostly because she hasn't been too impressed with capitalism in her young adult life. She doesn't know if she wants to put herself in that like far left camp yet, but I think she's interested in having those conversations. I I guess I would consider myself a democratic socialist, but I still think that we need to work within the system if we want to enact real change. I think that there's been a lot of talk recently about millennials not thinking that socialism is a dirty word, and Mm -hmm. I would have to agree with that. Um, I'm not like like a far leftist. I don't know if we need a revolution or anything, Um, but I definitely am super critical and skeptical of what capitalism can do in my life. And then there's the likes of Frank Snyder, as he put it. Just not socialism. And just not just not getting comfy, you know, like the incumbent. He's just like, whatever, I'll skip I'll skip this meeting or I'll skip this debate. I'm yeah. good. No, you always have to be on your toes. Which is why I vote so right. So in addition to just how much fun it is to drive around Wisconsin and experience all of the great places to eat and drink and sightsee and experience things in different corners of the state, uh, I also, I mean, this is why I love my job, right? I get to talk to people with all of these different points of view and perspectives. And for this assignment, it was cool because I found out that uh, a lot of other people enjoy doing that too. Um, A lot of the people that I interviewed enjoy having conversations with friends and family who don't necessarily share their perspectives. Joshua Koss is a guy that I talked to in Oshkosh. He grew up in a really conservative community. He served in the Marine Corps, uh, but he's a Democrat. Um, Not, you know, strictly always voting Democrat, but like more likely than not, he's going to vote Democratic. Um, and he enjoyed being around people that he disagreed with. Uh, Becky adamski Krishi, she's married to a Republican. Her parents were uh, of opposing viewpoints, too. So she sort of grew up with that example. And, you know, they, they talk about just sort of having civil debates and conversations and um, hearing hearing people out. That was something, too. Uh, Amber Krumenauer, a woman I interviewed in Oshkosh, said she wishes that she saw more of. She was concerned that social media is maybe taking away our ability to do that. The anonymity maybe makes it harder to respect each other. But I was encouraged and and glad to hear that so many people that I talked to are also talking to other people. Um, Mike Crumrai in Oshkosh, I I interviewed him. He's liberal-leaning fella, but has conservative friends who he sometimes bets on election results with and kind of, you know, makes a a game out of it. So it's fun to see stuff like that happening. 
So last thing to talk, talk about here, the last uh, takeaway was, was the way that uh, your interviewees talked about getting out the vote and, and turnout. I believe you cited a projection, Jesse, that showed an, an estimated 33% of young voters turning out the polls nationally. Yeah, it's there's an interesting set of headlines over different periods of time where one study will say oh, 22% and another study will say like 38% and people get sort of... First, they're like, look at no one's going to vote. And then like, oh, look at all the young people are going to vote. So, of course, no one knows what's going to happen. Um, but regardless of, of whether it's 22 or 38, that's still lower than the overall uh, turnout projections for midterms, which are already low at about 40 percent. So so it was interesting to hear from some of the people that I talked to how important it is to them that their friends vote, even though their friends and family don't necessarily share the same points of view as them. Um, You know, Becky joked about her vote canceling out her husband's vote, and they have that sort of thought uh, process to it. But uh, Mike Cromwright had an interesting proposition for this, uh, maybe not the most altruistic way to think of voting, but uh, one motivator perhaps for some. While I certainly have my own agenda, the most important thing people can do is to, you know, go to the polls, right? Like, I like to frame it, like every every election, I like put something on Twitter to the effect of, even if you don't really get politics, think of voting as revenge against people who have been ruining your TV for the last six months. Uh, but, you know, Joel Michelson made an interesting point, too, and that's that if you keep complaining about the way things work, but you don't get involved, then things are going to keep working in the same way that they are. I definitely have a lot of friends who vote um, and are at least engaged on some level, you know, in politics. Um, I don't know many that are that followed as closely as me. And I, I encourage my friends, and the big thing, I, I just encourage them to vote in general, uh, you know, because I think... Um, a big thing with people my age and my generation uh, a lot of them just feel like it's not worthwhile Uh, and I try to make the point to them like well it's not going to get better if that's the approach you take like oh I'm just done I'm not going to vote then there's probably no chance at all that you'll ever see a candidate or you know that identifies closely (laughs) the way you feel if if you're not voting and they well it's one vote well that's the same old same old like if everybody says it's one vote, then it ends up being a lot of votes. Uh, so I, yeah, I tell all my friends, even though I know a bunch of them probably don't end up voting the way I would, I tell all of them, like, yeah, yeah at least get out and vote, you know? Um, be engaged on some level, because otherwise this this won't change. Um, you know, things aren't going to change. So if you're unhappy with them now, if your solution is just not vote, it's not going to get better, you know? <laughs> so I encourage everyone to go out and read Jesse's piece I'll add that there's also like a sibling story of sorts, a sister story that is going to come out in next week's paper by our investigative reporter, Caitlin Farrell, that is going to look at um, religious folks and their own sort of uh, political beliefs. Yeah, Caitlin went on the road too. She hit some different communities and got some perspectives there on how religion informs people's political beliefs. We will uh, be talking to her on next week's podcast episode about that story too. Very cool. Well, thanks for having me as always. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. 
Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We have new episodes coming out every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed so you can keep up to date. If you have feedback or suggestions for us, you can tweet at me at jessieopie, email me at j-o-p-o-i-e-n at madison.com, or leave us a rating or review on your podcasting platforms. Stay tuned next week for a look at what Caitlin Farrell learned on the road as she talked to different religious communities throughout the state. We'll see you next week. Wedge Issues has been brought to you by Wispolitics.com. There are plenty of benefits to becoming a member. You can go to wispolitics.com slash membership to find out more.